Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Swedenborg and Life Live. I'm sitting in this week for Curtis, and I'm Chelsea Odner. You know me as a writer for Swedenborg and Life, and I'm here with jo Dr. Jonathan Rose, series editor for the New Century Edition. Hey, um, Chelsea. Hey, everybody. Yeah, and today we are tackling a triad of a topic, the Pentecost, speaking in tongues, and what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. So if that seems interesting to you, go ahead first and click like and subscribe to this channel if you want to, and also click the bell because then you'll get notifications when new stuff comes out. Um, and so for this week, this topic is based on an unanswered question that came to us from a viewer on one of our recent Good Question shows. Um, and here it is from MLML asks, does Swedenborg mention anything about the ability to speak in tongues? Mm. Because the Pentecostal belief I grew up in taught that we must do this to go to heaven. Oh, that's interesting. It certainly is a biblical thing about speaking in tongues. Yeah. But do you, is that absolutely necessary to salvation or not? Right. Interesting question. And I resonate with this person because it's like, my church teaches me this, is that true? Right. You know, is like, that legit? let me take it. What does that really mean? And do I really want to adopt this as my own faith or not? You know, so I'm so interested to see what we cover in this show. Yeah, right. um, but first, let's do an icebreaker. Okay, so to sort of start us off on this whole big, really, really big topic, I think. I mean, I've always heard of sort of speaking in tongues. I don't know I, a lot about it. I've wondered also about what does it really mean to receive the Holy Spirit, something that's open to all of us. But right. to sort of break the ice or warm us up, this question is, what are some things we can do on behalf of God or in service to divine love and truth? Mm. So, any thoughts? Yeah, well, the first thought that comes to mind is that there's a passage where Swedenborg says that actually the Lord can't directly benefit us, you mm, know, in kind mm -hmm. of tangible or external ways. So, we need to do that for each other. So, something we can do on behalf of God is to try to understand, well, wh what do I think loving is and how do I practice that? Toward somebody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I guess what comes to my mind, um, I sort of think of what I can do on behalf of God in my, in myself. Like I'm, all, I feel like I often wrestle with sort of what, you know, uh, how do I sort of best get out of the way in terms of like mm. not being just totally caught up in my outward concerns or my self concerns of I just want to get what I want or, you know, whatever. Just sort of going through the jumble of life all the time, but sort of. Uh, what I know I can do is get quiet, like ha practice, you know, meditation or other sort of practices that help me center and feel like I'm connecting with something larger than myself and connecting into this love and truth mm. that I know I have access to within myself. And then, when, you know, when I take those times to center and practice, then that helps me keep an awareness of there's something larger going on that isn't just me and then how can that sort of live through me and mm. how can I be a part of this this larger thing. Nice. So, yeah. um, so those are some That's thoughts good. anyway and I guess for anybody watching this you can we would love to hear your responses but we won't get them get to them in this show but you can leave your responses as a comment and we would love to read them and respond to them and hear what you think about that question. Yeah this is actually a pre-recorded pseudo live show so <laughs> so anyway but so now for the setup 
so the Pentecost, speaking in tongues, receiving the Holy Spirit, and this person, MLML, is specifically coming from this Pentecostal belief system or right. church that they're a part of, and um, and he or she really seems to have this concern about like, is speaking in tongues required for me to go to heaven? And I feel like in a perfect world, we'd have some people of the Pentecostal faith come in here and talk to us about it and like have a conversation. Right. Um, but of course our expertise is Swedenborg and he wrote, you know, a lot about um, everything that's mentioned in the Bible. He's basically has something to say about it. If it right. shows up as text. <laughs> um, and so we'll get into sort of what he has to say about the uh, speaking in tongues and that and that language, but so I wonder where does this show up, um, you know? Right, and particularly that question of, do you have to do it? Yes. To get to heaven, because you've been taught that, and different traditions say different things that you have to do. Right, even though it's in the Bible, how, you know, how does the Pentecostal faith understand it, interpret that. Right, and we found a source online that told us a little bit, gave us some background here, talking Pentecostalism. Mm -hmm. And here we read, Pentecostalism began as a worldwide movement when a revival of tongue speaking, which is speaking in tongues, mm -hmm. at the beginning of the 20th century attracted international attention. Now, wait a minute. Gosh, Christianity had existed for a couple thousand years right. before that really took off. This is recent, just in the past century or so. Tongue speaking, whether unknown utterances or miraculous gifts of languages, and that's an interesting distinction there, because sometimes might be something you don't understand, or a miraculous gift of language would be, oh, I understand that, mm -hmm. have been reported throughout history. So that's been ongoing in Christianity. However, what makes Pentecostalism unique is that never before has tongue speaking been given the doctrinal importance that modern Pentecostals have given to it. So yeah. I think this idea that you need to do that to be saved might be fairly recent. Right, and it's sort of this core principle of that perspective. And so I, it would be interesting to know whether, you know, I guess if any of you are of the Pentecostal faith, you know, how do people of this experience uh, understand speaking in tongues? That would be super interesting to know. Yeah. Because I imagine it isn't that everybody believes it the same way. You know, just because you call yourself a Christian, you might be very That's different right. from the other Christians sitting across from you, you know, at some movie theater or something like that. Yeah, you know? I, I'm not so. an expert on it, but I have the idea that there are certain Pentecostal groups that are where it's more of an emphasis than others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even within that tradition. Yeah, so we'll, we'll bring in the Swedenborg because that's what we're good at. So let's see, what <laughs> does the Bible say about it first? Yeah, right. So uh, the day of Pentecost was a particular day that's talked about in Acts chapter 2 and uh, the nature of that day is interesting. The word Pentecost actually comes from the Greek that means 50th. Mm -hmm. It's short for the 50th day. So there was the Passover, right? kind of like our Christian Easter Happens or something. Yep. Uh, and Easter. the second day of the Passover, you'd start to count these 50 days out. And, then, and so the Passover was one of the big major Jewish festivals in ancient Judaism. And then the second was this Pentecost, which was also called the Feast of Weeks, because mm. you'd measure these seven weeks to get there. Also the wheat harvest, mm -hmm. first fruits it was called sometimes, or Shavuot in, in the Hebrew. And, um, and so uh, Jewish early Christians were gathered 
to celebrate that time. in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. yeah, all gathering together. Another thing that was celebrated on that day, uh, like to begin with, it was a harvest festival, but it also came to be known as the day that they celebrate the giving of the Torah, mm. because the Torah was the five books of Moses in the Old Testament from a Christian standpoint. And uh, the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were enslaved, and so that's released, that liberation is celebrated with as the, the Passover. Passover. Uh -huh. And then the giving of the Torah that happened at Mount Sinai as they were wandering in the wilderness, where they really became a people and they had a law and everything, right. was celebrated at this second major festival, which would be anywhere from, I think, May 15th to June 14th, something like that. It, it, it's, it, it wanders around in time, but it's of course, that like time the of year. Giving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, there was like the fire and the cloud and just all this intense, you know, uh, right. experience that, that happened when Moses received this the intense revelation Ten of the Ten Commandments and a lot of other commandments about dietary right. laws and mm -hmm. injunctions. So it was really the whole code, mm -hmm. this revelation of truth that came down from Mount Sinai. And so let's read Acts chapter 2 to see what's talked about on that day. When the day of Pentecost came, now we know what that means. They I were all together before. in one place because Th you're getting that, together for what your you harvest festival. It was for called this, a pilgrimage yeah, festival, holiday. so you mm -hmm. all get together on that day. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. These were disciples or followers yeah. of Jesus. Mm -hmm. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I can't help but think of how that does just slightly reflect, reflect the sort of cloud and the fire that's on the Mount, oh, Mount Sinai at the same time. You know, yeah, I don't know. Just fire just, coming down and yeah. this message. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's not just half of them or a few of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit there and began to Spirit. speak in other tongues in other as tongues. the Spirit enabled them. Hmm. Now there were staying, the plot thickens. Yes. There were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation mm. under heaven. A lot of the Jewish people have been scattered to various different nations around the world. So they're here, and a lot of them wouldn't necessarily even speak the same language. Right, you know, all different they, nations. They speak all different languages. When they heard this sound, this strange sound that was going on, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken, that's really key here. That's, that's miraculous, you would say. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? You know, yep. they're not from Cappadocia or you know, all these different mm -hmm. places that are listed in the story. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? So this was a miracle that sort of got the whole idea of speaking in tongues kicked yes, off in the yes. biblical story. And I can't help but think about how that speaking in tongues, you know, where everybody is hearing this one group speak, but they're all understanding it, even though they all speak different languages, harks back to the Tower of Babel, where you have oh. these people building this tower. And we did a show about it called When Religion Went Wrong, because the outcome was that ultimately they all were divided into different languages, so they couldn't understand each other. And I love hmm. times in the Bible where it kind of lines up that this was like this setup of people not understanding each other, but then now at Pentecost, all this time later after Jesus is coming, they, people are able to understand each other. There's a, there's a oneness mm -hmm. or, or a Despite their differences or even through their differences, they're still. Right. 
that, that they're all able to understand this message in, this, in the same way. Yeah. And so uh, what about the filled with the Holy Spirit? That was That's this critical element, yeah. Interesting phrase, and you do get that in the Gospels as well. Mm -hmm. uh, when Jesus, after Jesus was resurrected, he nevertheless still appeared to his disciples a few times. And there was one particular time that's recorded in the Gospel of John where this is what, what happened. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you, he says to his disciples. Mm -hmm. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's strange, isn't it? That he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's some connection between that breath. And the word spirit means breath, doesn't mm -hmm, it? Breath mm -hmm. or wind. So there was that sound of a rushing wind when the day of Pentecost yes, happened. Yeah. And here's this breath. So yep. the, the, that sort of unites there's these different stories There's this promise of together. receiving the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And Paul talks about in his epistle to the Corinthians, the first epistle to the Corinthians, the value of communicating meaning. Yeah. Like I think to some people speaking in tongues means, oh, you're just gonna hear these strange syllables and you don't really know. Yeah. I mean, you kind of get the general sense it's, there's probably praising God or something, but you, you don't know a single word of it. But he talks about the importance of you know, speaking truth with love is a phrase that Paul uses uh, that connects people across differences. And he talks about the importance of building up the church. Mm. Unless you speak, says Paul, intelligible words with your tongue, mm -hmm. speaking in tongues, you know, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yep. and yet none of them is without meaning. To what that word babble, babel, you know, yeah, exactly. babble. Right. Like mm -hmm. when you hear someone, or did you know that the word um, Barbarous comes from the way that the Romans would describe someone else's language. Bar, 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 bar. Yes. Someone who's a barbar, you know, blah, 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 blah. What's the point if you can't understand? Actually, they all have meaning. You know, that bar, bar, bar actually means something. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone's saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker's a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, and one yeah. of the things that Paul lists as a gift of the Spirit, along with being an apostle or a teacher or having the gift of interpreting or laying on of hands, healing, mm -hmm. different gifts. Since you're eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So I, like he's making the parallel that speaking in tongues it could build up the church if you're understanding it in that way of you're speaking in such a way that people can understand you no matter where they're coming from. Right, and I think about who Paul was. He was more yeah. concerned than anybody with building the, you know, yes, like let's right. get traveling yeah. all over the known world. Let's get this thing going. Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's making a strong point there. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's really laying it on thick. And so he doesn't have anything against, obviously, the speaking in tongues. And he talks about it as a thing that you can use for your own private prayer, mm -hmm. for your mm -hmm. own sort of reception of heaven. I've yeah. heard people describe speaking in tongues as perfect prayer, mm -hmm. or you're, you're trying to emulate that heavenly language or something. Interesting. But 
it doesn't do much for the church if people can't understand what yep. you're saying. So this is a little different than the day of Pentecost, isn't it? Because on the day of Pentecost, uh, they were understanding. Everybody was understanding. Yeah, but that's but what he's the talking about a kind of speaking in tongues where you don't understand it unless you have an interpreter. Or it can be sort of arcane or there's something, yeah, it needs interpretation or yeah. something. And these are even just, we've only touched on a few of the places. That's like right. Paul goes on and on a little bit about it, about he, speaking he in does, tongues, right? Yeah. And everything. And so chapters that 12 gives through you, 14 yeah, in there. That yeah. main event, the miracle, and then what that means to speak in tongues. Um, and in and that connection that it has with receiving the Holy Spirit, that that's, that's what is bringing you to speak in tongues, is like this reception of the Holy Spirit. So I feel mm. like, in my experience, it's like, when, how do you know for yourself whether you're experiencing the Holy Spirit or not? You know, right. and, um, or I feel like people wonder about that. And in Swedenborg's day, so there wasn't Pentecostalism as we know it now, you know, because Swedenborg was, yeah. you know, in the 1700s. But that's right. But there were other branches, you know, of the Christian church that also were, you know, had this idea of receiving the Holy Spirit and, you know, passionately, you know, orating or whatever. Yeah. That's right. There, there was something I've been reading about just lately uh, that, that was sort of generally under the heading of enthusiasm. Right. And the original meaning of that term was that God is in you and speaking through you. Yeah. And that was a very yeah. big deal. It, and a lot of people debating, is this a good thing? Is it always yes. solid, what comes out and everything, so. And so Swedenborg does very clearly make the point of like, it's not just about whether you feel passionate and like God's speaking through me, there's actually this discernment quality you can have um, between what is coming from a genuine heavenly place and what is maybe coming from a more earthly, you know, or even genuine false, like a false place. Um, and Swedenborg. You, yeah. Not afraid of wading in. No, <laughs> and so this is in. Uh, Here's how you tell. Yeah, True Christianity 146. He writes, when ministers preach with passion, so he's zeroing in on these ministers, they believe they are inspired, just like the Lord's disciples, on whom the Lord breathed and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. Some ministers even maintain that they have felt an inflow. Mm. Ministers have to be very careful, though, not to convince themselves that the passion that comes over many of them when they preach is God at work in their hearts. So they're not supposed to just automatically assume it's God at work right. in their hearts. And Maybe that's that self-serving or something. You know, you know, I mean, I, that's like the spiritual practice is like, just because you're having the feeling doesn't necessarily mean just because it's it, in me, it's it, a good it, thing. It, it, it's, or, or it's true. Yeah, it's true because you know, I accurate. feel it. You know, there's like, you mm. have to have more than that. The same level of passion and even, and an even more ardent one is found in fanatics who believe they are divinely inspired. <laughs> in people who have the falsest teachings. Yeah, so you might be a, a, f a fanatic and quite wrong about what you're saying, but you're passionate and, yeah. you, you know, and... And, and uh, passion can seem persuasive, too, to hear that, you know, from oh, people. Oh, yeah, it so gets your attention. He says, passion in preaching is just an intensity in the earthly self. <laughs> if passion has a love for truth inside it, then it is like the sacred fire that flowed into the apostles, about which it says in Acts, there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one rested on each one of them. I like the fact that he speaks about a sacred fire or a sacred flame. Yes. Uh, that's neat. And so he says that passion is just an intensity of the lower self. So your lower self is all fired up. Sure. But what's inside that? Yeah, what's sort of fueling it. Yeah. Right, and that's sacred fire. When there's a love for truth, right. as a result, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Mm. If, on the other hand, there is a love for falsity inside that passion or intensity, then it is like fire smoldering inside a piece of wood that bursts <laughs> into flame and burns the house down. <laughs> oh, and I think I have to say Swedenborg felt like some of the preachers of his day were burning the house down. Yes, yes. You know? For many corrupt preachers, that passion comes from a hellish love. Which I guess would He's be not naming a, any names though, but. No, that's right. <laughs> that would be a self-centered, you know, a love of their own power. Or yeah, the power they have right in that position or wanting to, yeah, dominate over other people. They raise their voices more vehemently and draw sighs from their chests more deeply than those whose passion comes from a heavenly love. So that's a little public service announcement yes. from Swedenborg. There you go. That like, yes, yeah. <laughs> even though you're feeling that passion, there's a, a distinction there, which sort of, you know, okay, we know it's this passion from the earthly self, but so how do we know, is it the Holy Spirit that is what's flowing in? You know, what does that really mean to receive the Holy Spirit? Right, he's kind of said, what it isn't, or what it right. isn't necessarily, yep. but what, what can we learn about what it is? Yeah. So let's, let's, take, let's apply three seeds to this, to this topic, mm. and we'll see where that takes us. So what does Swedenborg say about the Pentecost and speaking in tongues? I mean, there is, uh, there are only a handful of places where he really spells it out in terms of using that phrase or referencing Acts. And so we're going to touch on a couple of those here and see what that gives us. So this is from Apocalypse Explained 455. A nice long passage, by the way. Yes. And so fascinating. So tongues can be taken to mean speech. And speech means both assertion and religion. So I love already he's taking it of like, this muscle that lives in your mouth that helps you swallow food and speak, it's, he's bringing it up to this spiritual level mm. of what does this mean right. on a spiritual level that, that it has some significance. Since our tongue speaks and affirms our religious values. Lip, mouth, and tongue are often mentioned in the word. It's true, isn't it? And we talk about paying lip service. Yeah, I don't know, we have right. that phrase. And, and lips or mouths in the in the Tower of Babel that you were talking about yeah. a moment ago, they figure prominently in that yep. story. So lip means religious teaching, mouth means thought, and tongue means assertion. The symbolism of these words is due to the fact that these outer parts of us, so now he's talking sort of in general, sort of here you go, here's sort of your framework. These outer parts of us convey to others our inner concepts, and these inner concepts are what is meant in the inner spiritual sense. Wow, okay, so in scripture when you see lips and mouths and tongues and so on, which do come up not only in speaking in tongues, mm -hmm. but in other contexts, you can think about these, he's always trying to spiritualize, isn't yeah, he? Try to go yeah. up to that higher level. And sort of giving you, well think about what does your tongue do for you, and so what would it do for you on a spiritual level, you know? Right. So the letter of the word is made up of outward things, things that can be seen by the eye and felt by the senses, and that's a really important element. And I think about that in connection with this story of the tongues. You know, it's a very kind of physical, even it's, right. though it's a spiritual experience, it seems like they're having. It's described as things that you can... Like, oh, that's a tongue. You've experienced a <laughs> yeah. flame. And yes, you yes, know. right, yeah. So the word in its literal meaning is on the earthly plane, which makes it possible for the divine truth it contains to be there on the outermost level, these like essential mm. vessels in its fullness. Mm. Those external, tangible things 
root and embrace the inner aspects within them. I like that phrase, root and embrace. That's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like they're held together there. They ground it and they also sort of contain all that in yeah. itself. These internal, internal matters are spiritual and what the external things and are what the external things symbolize. After the Lord's resurrection, the fact that the disciples and others spoke in new tongues which is a quote. Yeah, right. which is another quote. Meant taking a stand for the Lord and for the truths of the church then at its beginning. So the new oh, tongues, wow. new teachings, new assertions. New truths, new understanding, yep. new yep. affirmation. Yeah. Uh, right. This issue is dealt with in Mark. Jesus said, the signs of believers are as follows. They will cast out demons in my name and speak in new tongues. Yeah, and there's more in that list in the end of Mark, isn't okay. it? What's called the longer ending in Mark, where they, they can drink poison, you know, something deadly, and it doesn't yep. hurt them. They can take up snakes. And, and some, some religions and sort of tent revivals have taken that stuff quite literally. Right, right. You know, and about Sweet healing sort and so on. Essentializes it down to like, what does this mean for your spiritual life? He says, mm. to cast out demons means to reject and remove the false ideas that come from evil. And I notice he has that first. So often it's like, yeah. get rid of the yeah. bad it, thing first. It always sounds like mindfulness to me. You know, like uh, investigating your thoughts, you know, like noticing their quality. And mm. so speaking in new tongues means to assert the Lord and the truth that comes from him through the church. Mm. So the apostles saw what seemed like little tongues of fire alighting among them. They were then filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. So he's going on here. Fire. He's going to explain the inner yep. meaning of Acts. This is interesting. Means a love for truth. Look at that. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means accepting divine truth from the Lord. Mm. New tongues means affirmation motivated by a love for truth, which is zeal. So there's the love part of it that the, yeah, there's an affirmation because this is new yes. and you're really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And so as said above, all divine miracles and therefore all miracles described in the word involved and symbolized spiritual and heavenly matters. That is matters that have to do with the church and with heaven. This is how divine miracles differ from non-divine miracles. <laughs> so that there's oh. two categories there. <laughs> At the very end, he throws in another distinction. <laughs> yes. It's a whole vast topic, but we did get into that in another show, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, so that whole idea of how do these divine miracles happen, we did that show, how did Jesus do his healing miracles? Mm. And all what they really is is that the divine miracles, as opposed to the non-divine ones, were always representing universal things about God's interaction with humanity and sort of a, yeah, that spiritual truth that Swedenborg is always directing us toward kind of a teaching, t teaching tools almost, uh, yeah. like a, an embodiment of something that may be invisible, but here I'm showing it to you. I'm yeah. healing the blind. That's Which what I like can it, do to your mind. It's yeah. even like a living outermost level of the word. Yeah, you know, I mean, like it right. became text on a page for us, but sort That's of the right. lived experience also ends up being that vessel that can mm. hold the, the divine truth. So. so I'm still thinking about this question of what does it mean to receive the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And I'm thinking of true Christianity where Swedenborg gets into this in a really interesting way. Okay. This true Christianity number 139 and following. Since the Lord is absolute truth. It's all, it was talking all about that love for truth, you know. And interestingly, I, just the whole topic that we're on tonight, I'm noticing that uh, wind corresponds to truth, tongue 
corresponds to truth. Yeah. A lot of these, the Holy Spirit has to do with truth. A lot of what we're talking about is truth. Yep. Uh, since the Lord is absolute truth, everything that radiates from Him is truth, like like yeah. coming from the sun. All this truth, little biblical clue here, is known as the comforter. That's a term from yeah. the New Testament. It comes up in John and I think other Gospels. Which, which I do think when you talk about, you know, truth can seem so hard and like it's hard to oh, give truth a hug, you know, true. or something like that. But when you put it as like, it's the comforter, it reminds me of how like Swedenborg describes truth is the form of love, That's you know, beautiful. so if you're able to interact with the truth, you're getting a real sense of the reality of love, you know, and mm. that, of course, that's comforting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All so. this truth that radiates out from the Lord is known as the comforter, which is also called the spirit of truth and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And you can see in the Bible that those terms are kind of interchangeable yep. or equivalent. Mm -hmm. The Lord breathed on his disciples, we read about that earlier, and said, receive the Holy Spirit, because breathing on someone physically mm -hmm. is an outward representation of divine inspiration. And yeah. the word inspiration, even in English, is from yeah. the Latin that means breathing in or on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so inspiration, to be inspired mm -hmm. is in fact to be inserted into angelic communities. There's a real I don't know, mind bender that he just throws in there. <laughs> That's an amazing definition of inspiration. You know, people yeah. always wonder, like, where do the inspirations for these great shows or movies or poetry, mm -hmm. what, you know, where does that come from? It, well, he says, here's where it comes from. To be inspired is, in fact, to be inserted, whether you realize right. it or not, into angelic communities. And then, if I remember the passage, Swedenborg goes into this whole list of things that the Holy Spirit does for us yeah. And it's sort of like step one, do this. Step two, do that. And then if that goes well, we'll do three, four, five. Yeah. And so here's what he says. Generally speaking, the divine actions and powerful effects meant by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Now he's even explaining the term Holy Spirit, that it means these divine actions, these powerful effects. Well, that's what I think is so interesting is what we were saying about receiving the Holy Spirit. It's like you might think, okay, I've got this truth or love inside of me, but it has, you know, in the most heavenly way, it has an agenda. Like it has something it wants to do in you. Right. You know, it's like, it has this activity. It reminds me of that beautiful passage in Isaiah 55, where it says, my word shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish the thing for yeah. which I send it. It's like the snow and the rain coming down. They don't, they're not for no reason. It's to yep, bring bread, something bread to yeah. the eater and seed to mm -hmm. the sower and all that. So, uh, these powerful effects meant by the Holy Spirit are the acts of reforming and regenerating us. Hmm. A big job. And depending on the outcome of this reformation and regeneration, and it's not like, oh, the Lord did his job badly. It's like we were more receptive or less receptive. Right. I think yeah. it's on our, our side. Our cooperation, there's a cooperative. So depending element. on how we do with steps one and two there, the divine actions and powerful effects also include the acts of renewing us bringing us to life, sanctifying us, and making us just. Yep. So those are four more things. It all doesn't and happen in an instant. <laughs> that's right. That's quite a process. Just renewing. Sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good all by itself. Right. And depending on the outcome of these in turn. So another round. The divine actions and powerful effects also include the acts of, and this is a really wish list of mine, right. <laughs> purifying us from evils 
forgiving our sins and mm. ultimately saving us. Mm -hmm. These are the powerful facts. So there we got to salvation, but it salvation. wasn't the beginning. Yeah. It right. was like, you know, nine or ten deep in the list there. But a part of that receiving the Holy Spirit in the long, in the long term, yeah. the long game. These are the powerful effects, one after the other. They don't all happen at once. Mm -hmm. Some people think all of that happens in the moment you get baptized or something. Oh no, this is a lifelong yeah. kind of process. Uh, these are the powerful effects, one after the other, that the Lord has on people who believe in Him. This is what we need to do. Yes. and who adapt and modify themselves hmm. in order to welcome him and invite him, invite him to, to stay. stay. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. Mm. And we have to open the door, mm -hmm. right. Divine truth has these effects. It is important to take this to mean, now here's a little clarification, yep. the divine truth in connection with goodness. Right, that living, loving, love, life force. <laughs> you might think, oh, that's just truth, it's just truth, it's just truth. Right. But the love behind the truth is what wants to change us. It loves us as yes, we are, yes. but also wants to see, I wonder yeah. what it would be like if you took the next step. What if I freed you from this evil, this sort mm. of burden, you know? And he explains this is the same as faith in connection with goodwill, faith and charity or goodwill. Believing in the Lord is not only acknowledging Him. Mm -hmm. Acknowledgement, important. So yep. I acknowledge you, Lord, I believe in yeah. you but also doing what he commands. Yeah. So there you got the life piece in there. So that, that's quite a mouthful of a passage. Yeah. But that sort of opens up what it means to receive the Holy Spirit, which is to kind of allow the Lord to do this series of, he even calls them kind of actions or operations or something. Right. It's gonna have all these powerful effects on us. Yeah. If we're, if, if we're willing. That's so fascinating. And it's so interesting, you know, so you have the, the tongues that appeared and they were on fire. They're just, I'm just reflecting on that element, how both of those elements are there as that reception of the Holy Spirit. And it's so often the way that Swedenborg reads the Bible where this day of Pentecost was a pretty quick event. Maybe it's a couple hours or something right. like that. But in Swedenborg's view, that represents something that happens over a long period of time. And right. when you're not necessarily always in an extraordinary state of inspiration, right. this is a lot of work that needs to be done to really receive the Holy Spirit and become more and more inspired and zealous. Yes, and it's so interesting how like Pentecost was this, you know, it was happening sort of for everybody. Everybody was getting that, you know, it was a light, the little tongues of fire were alighting on each of them. Each of them. Yeah, and, right. that, and so it's so interesting that, um, so it's a personal process for each of us too. Um, right, and the outcome is a little bit different for each person, the way Swedenborg explains it, right? Right, yeah, and so here in True Christianity 154, he touches on that idea that we all know that after the Lord bestowed the Holy Spirit on the apostles, referencing that day, That's right. Pentecost, they preached the good news across much of the world and publicized it through speaking and writing sort of a creative element there. Right. They did this on their own initiative on behalf of the Lord. Peter wrote and taught one way, James another, John a third, and Paul a fourth. And if you really look at the texts that they left, the epistles and the other the gospels and so on that they left behind, Paul's quite a different read from John yeah. or James or Peter. You know, the emphasis is different. <laughs> yeah. You know, you see their unique mind, even though we believe that divine inspiration is equal 
yep. the Holy Spirit is with each of them, but it comes out a little different way. And that's interesting with the speaking in new tongues, that whole idea of speaking in new tongues and or even just, you know, speaking in tongues is like that these people are, uh, they're all lit up by the same fire, you mm. know, like by this new revelation or this, you know, this mm. connection to love that they have that maybe they didn't before, you know, that sense of the truth. And then they want to share it so they can each share it in their own unique way, but it's still conveying the same love. You know, like right. that's that speaking in tongues is like, you can do it in your own way and that Holy Spirit, the Lord can make that um, benefit others. And I know? never thought about it this way before, but uh, when you think about this illustration with the, I wonder whether for certain people who came in, one particular person seemed to be speaking Ooh, I'm their language. Over there. Yes. This one speaks my language. Oh, this one speaks my language. Right. I, I don't know. Yes. I don't know. So there's this like, yeah, that cooperation. But I'm sure that's part of the variety is to reach. Yes. You know, some people are really lit up by John, can't get enough. Other people yeah. are really into Paul. Right. You know? Right. So interesting. So each of them used their own intelligence. The Lord filled them all with his spirit, but they each took a portion of it that depended on the quality of their perception. That's right. <laughs> and they each exercised that portion depending on the quality of their own ability. So it's both what they received and then how good are you at just throwing words on a yeah, page, yeah. right, or speaking. Yeah. I'm almost getting that right. idea of like speaking in tongues is just like doing your part almost to, to serve the Lord, to be a conduit of love in the world is like, because you're going to benefit somebody, way. you know, like the Lord created you to, to serve some right. group that is going to understand mm. you and get that message through you or something. Mm. Um, so he goes on and says, all the angels in the heavens are filled with the Lord. They are in the Lord and the Lord is in them. So in that sense, uh, like the, the original question was about salvation. You know, does, yes. you, does salvation depend on, well, all the angels, what it means, yes. you know, uh, is something that does have to do with your salvation because all the angels have this, that they're in the Lord and the Lord is in them, but it's different in each case. Yeah, it seems like it's less a, you'd better do this or else, and more of a, look what happens look when what you happens. when you're connecting to this right. love and truth and being lit up by it, you know, like you're gonna be excited to, you know, or whatever, get creative or something. And angel means messenger, so you're supposed to pass it on. You know, right, they, they, were, exactly. they were communicating and passing something on. Yeah, and hmm. get cooperating with it. So yet for each of them, the speech and action depends on the quality of the mind. Some speak and act simply and some wisely with infinite variety. Yeah, you might think the angel, you've seen one angel, you've seen them all. Yeah. <laughs> no, Swedenborg was astounded at how different they were. And I love that idea that like the Lord needs all of us, like this whole this whole new new era even of sort of you know, uh, spiritual light that Swedenborg talks about that we're living in now that he'll sometimes mm. refer to as the new church. It's like, everybody needs to get on board, you know, or like we want, right. we want everybody to participate because there is so much variety and that value of the, mm. of the variety that's out there. Mm. They all speak on their own initiative, always bringing it back to their own initiative on behalf of the Lord. The same goes for all ministers in the church those with false beliefs, <laughs> as well as those with true beliefs. God's like, I can work with that. I, I guess so. <laughs> like, <laughs> they each have their own voice and their own intelligence. They each speak on the basis of their own mind, meaning the spirit inside them. So there's that connection between mind and spirit. And mm -hmm. we're talking about the Holy Spirit 
and how you get that sort of mindset in yourself. Mm -hmm. The same point can be illustrated by the following parallels as well. So now sort of going off on a new okay. kind of angle here. Illustrations. All right, yes. here we go. Jumping to evil. The evil we get from our parents, called hereditary evil, acts on us and in us. These prepositions seem to be important to him. Yeah, right. Uh, acts on us, so it impinges on us. It can even act in us. Oh, But yes. there's a preposition that doesn't happen that he'll get to in a moment. Okay, yeah, right. So does goodness from the Lord. So he, and goodness comes from above or within, evil from below or outside. If evil were to act through us... Ah, there's the bad one. Right, we could not be reformed but we would not be responsible either. This is it all like... be like possession or you yeah. know, something just takes over and you have no choice. And it's focusing in on how important the part that our unique mind plays in this whole dynamic, you know? So it can't just work through us. Because um, then, yeah. Right. It would be like in computers where there's a master and a slave right. or whatever you call it, there's you know, no it just takes over. There's no gatekeeper. Right. By the same token, if goodness from the Lord acted through us, we could not be reformed. Because we, we wouldn't be there, hardly. Right, because good and evil are a matter of our free choice. We become guilty when we act on our own initiative on behalf of evil, mm -hmm. and innocent when we act on our own initiative on behalf of goodness. I like that idea that you can become more innocent. We become innocent. Yeah. We become guilty, we become innocent. Yeah. And there was this, like, there was this one time where I was at this event, and there was this cool sculpture where it was this heavy stone ball and it was sitting on water so uh, once you spun it it just kept spinning it was so free like frictionless because it was just this oh. fountain of water oh, right. flowing over the ball so it okay, just spun I and i just get that sense reading this of like it's that f we're that free to just say oh you know i want to act on my own initiative on behalf of goodness like that right that equals innocence you know like we can have that freedom even if we have been acting mm. on behalf of evil it's like nope just you can turn mm. and act on behalf of goodness mm. Because evil is the devil and goodness is the Lord, we become guilty if we act on behalf of the devil and innocent if we act on behalf of the Lord. Mm. The free choice that we all have makes it possible for us to be reformed. Wow, a necessary ingredient in that reformation, which was what all those Holy Spirit things were talking about. Our cooperation. Uh, it, it wants to do all that to us, yes. but we're free. And that's why it said, We'll do these first two, see how that goes. Yes, right. That goes well, maybe we'll do the next Get four. To this, sancti you know? this renewing, this sanctifying, et cetera, right. et cetera. Mm. Fascinating. So those are our three seeds, but now let's give it some time to kind of germinate mm. in our minds, if you will, and we will have a little time for meditation. So what we were just talking about was how, you know, this, uh, that freedom of choice that we each have, but how that's really connected to the uniqueness of our mm. mind. And, and so this receiving the Holy Spirit isn't a sort of one size fits all thing. Um, and it doesn't, it also doesn't, it's not like change yourself and come over here. Like the path to heaven doesn't require everyone to just figure, you need to be able to do this one skill that actually only one portion of the population can do, you know, or something. It's really that receiving the Holy Spirit is this expansive thing that sort of becomes, you know, even bigger through you, through the unique, you know, love that you have when we resist negativity and, you know, do mm. that turn to, um, to, to root in love and 
you know, act for the sake of goodwill and service and, yeah. And so it strikes me that those, you could be doing that in the most humble, simple acts, mm -hmm. uh, but you would still do them in a unique yeah. way, you know, because yeah. you're bringing your mind, your passion, your understanding, your personality to that situation. Um, That's something yeah. I really love that with Swedenborg talking about this whole receiving the Holy Spirit, it brings it down to such a, uh, you know, and I mean like miraculous and amazing things can happen and we can have like sure. really amazing Be deep inspired. sort of spiritual experiences and inspiration and, you know, cool moments like that. But like that actually it's just this very, you know, you got up this morning and how did you treat that person? <laughs> or, you know, like how, what, right. how did you show up for in, the, in your life or whatever? So a very sort of accessible idea of it. But so, so for this meditation, we can be thinking about that quality that is coming through all of us all the time when we're, when we're just kind of showing up. I was really struck thinking, looking at those images and was, uh, you know, thinking about how receiving the Holy Spirit can be an outward thing that's involved in how we're acting with each other, but there's also an inward element too. It can be on the level of your own, of your own thoughts, you know, how are you sort of responding to yourself? So there's this inner and outer dynamic at play that is just a really cool, cool thing. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be limited to this spectacular event 2,000 years ago. Yep. You know, these simple acts. Of service. We're kind of sharing that, are continuing to share those right. tongues of fire, which is such is. an interesting, That's right. <laughs> interesting That's right. image. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, so with that, what do you think? What what is the takeaway? Yeah, the takeaway. I guess I would say going back to the original question. Yeah. I'm thinking that that physical act of speaking in tongues. Whatever and that was like, you know, I haven't experienced myself. So, but we're not really told. Uh, how to do it, mm -hmm. which would be problematic if it was necessary for your salvation, I think. Right. Uh, so that physical act, I think from Swedenborg's perspective, is not, you know, it's not something everybody has to do in order to be saved. But what it corresponds to is something that's absolutely necessary for bringing heaven on earth. Right. That's wonderful. So like there's this, that outer imagery is very useful for conveying to us this spiritual meaning of what it means to 
receive the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, and that that's also, you know, like Swedenborg is always saying, heaven isn't about getting somewhere at the end of your life. There's right. there's heaven that can be received right now, uh, and and it's that that love and that perspective that that really sort of can see across differences or you know like be be mm. present to the you know to just in the world showing up being you know being of service and living living that love and there's a process yes right you can get better at it and then it's a whole transformative journey at the same time of more and more receiving receiving heaven yeah. inside of us mm. and you know entering those angelic communities as it said in that one yeah in that one quote mm. powerful stuff beautiful interesting so, let's now for something completely different. <laughs> let's do the elevator pitch. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the elevator pitch. But first, before we get to that entertainment, uh, watch this little video about uh, donations. We're a nonprofit, and we run on donations. And your support makes the means the world to us to be able to continue to create this content. Please consider joining our community of sustaining supporters by going to otle.causevox.com and setting up a recurring monthly donation at a value of your choice. Any amount helps. Our sustaining supporters are the backbone of what we do at Off the Left Eye and allow us to continue to create high quality programming that nourishes thousands every week around the globe. Your help makes a difference. All right, we have arrived to the Who is that? Speaking of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so <laughs> the elevator pitch is this wonderful little uh, segment of entertainment where we imagine ourselves riding in an elevator of what would you do if you happen to be with a human being in a small enclosed space and they were to say, hey, what does Swedenborg say about blank? And, you know, we take our time in these shows to kind of dig in, but what would we do if we were put on the spot and had to explain a concept in 60 seconds? So. And we not try only it out here. what it is, but also why is it important? Yes, both, yes. both the <laughs> tongue and the flame, or something. <laughs> the tongue and the flame. Yeah. May may our tongues be on fire. So. So how should we choose? Let's let's flip a coin. You want to call okay, it? You got and a I'll, coin? Okay. Okay, I'll call it. Yeah. Tails. It's heads. Heads. Does that mean I go? <laughs> I guess it does. <laughs> we didn't decide what it means. <laughs> That's funny. Good. All right, I guess I'm going. I eh? think you're going. All right, what's the topic? What? Okay. <laughs> Good All right. luck. Thank you. All right. Hello, kind sir. So you're wondering about what Swedenborg says about the mind. And one of the phrases that I love is that the mind is our spirit. Mm. And so there are these that actually our mind is in the shape of heaven and so mm. it reflects the levels of heaven that can have um uh you know different levels <laughs> anyway. and i guess what i want to say is that the mind is this vessel this actually this like interesting uh tech spiritual technology that can be connected to heaven mm. and also connected to hell and connected to our body so it's this interesting space in us that reacts to you know what's going on in our body but is also receptive to spiritual influences from heaven and hell and that together uh it it all it is this interchange where our sense of self gets to choose what we want to align with and how to take care of ourselves so we can become an angel 
Remarkable. <laughs> Convinced? Curtis and I'll I don't always card. manage to get off at the 44th floor. Sometimes <laughs> you have to get up to the 50th floor to finish the thought or something. That was very good. Uh, okay. Very good. I like that. I, it gave me a fresh idea I hadn't had of the, it is kind of a, like a three-way connector or something yes. or more. Uh, yeah, multi-level multi connector. Very cool. Okay. Very well done. Well, that's, you've, you've set the bar high there. First ever. All right. Okay. That, was, that was well done. Your first elevator pitch. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep, next one. Divine justice and judgment. Wow. Ooh, okay. Boy, am I glad I got that. <laughs> All right. Justice and judgment. All right, here we go. Divine justice and judgment. You know, in the Bible, it talks a lot about this phrase about justice and judgment. Mm, justice and judgment. Right. Justice and judgment. Swedenborg's take on it is that these are, again, another sort of set of pairs, just like love and truth, or the, you know, the heart and the mind, and that the justice actually is the love part, because you can sort of see that, that idea, and yet it needs to be married to the judgment. And judgment, some people feel like that's a dirty word, that's a bad word, but to Swedenborg, no, that's a, that's a good, the divine judgment is actually a very merciful and loving thing because it goes with the justice. And mm -hmm. that's why in the Bible so often justice and judgment go together. And so um, part of the idea is that we're not going to be faced with this angry God on a throne who's going to throw us into mm -hmm. hell or something like that in Swedenborg's view. It's about love and truth working together, understanding who we are. Mm. Nice. <laughs> I think that was that was the tongue on fire. I was thinking of that justice and judgment as like the presence of that love and wisdom in our minds. You know, like that's mm. almost like the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is this justice and judgment that is wanting to work with us on this long-term <laughs> process. Well, I certainly think we got help from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. That mm. brings this show nearly to a close. So if you haven't already, I encourage you to like and subscribe. Um, subscribe to our channel. Like all the videos because then you help us out on YouTube, surfing the YouTube algorithm. Um, and It really does help. So many people say, I don't know how I found you, but it's yep. through those recommendations Gets you out that come the as a result of you liking yep. something. Yep. So. And comment. Yep. Give your thoughts. We love to hear them. Yeah. Um, continuing the conversation. And so next Monday, we can do this even more because we're having our next Good Questions show, which is a mm. live Q&A uh, with a panel of Swedenborg and Swedenborgian nerds, as I like to call us. Um, <laughs> and then the following Monday will be the first of our fall season of content, and we're going to be exploring how to find lasting inner peace. Who wants inner peace? Yeah, if Does that's want that? on your, you know, uh, bucket list, you know, tune in mm. on that following Monday. Great. So thank you so much for watching. Thanks, Jonathan, for being here. Great to that hang out. That was good out. fun, Chelsea. I really enjoyed it. Fun to explore these ideas together. All right. Take care. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. <laughs>